0: Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Pop Punk Project. I am your co-host, Mike, and excited to have you here.
1: And I am your co-host, Kenan. Welcome back to round two. In this podcast, we discuss our favorite pop punk albums from yesterday and today. On this episode, we'll be exploring Simple Plan's hit album, no pads, no helmets, just balls. Let's stage dive in, Mike.
2: Woo!
0: So Keenan, before we get started going through this album track by track, could you give us a brief overview as to when did this come out? When was it recorded? What time period are we looking at here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So compared to the Blink-182 album that we discussed, Enem of the State, last week, this one was a few years later. I believe it was released in March of 2002, and it was Simple Plan's debut album. So the first thing they recorded together, the first thing that we all listened to was this album. It was very popular. I believe it was certified double platinum, peaked at number eight on the Canadian albums chart. Uh, It looked like it peaked number 35 on the US Billboard 200. So it was a very popular album for a, a band that was essentially just discovering themselves and we were just discovering them. Very, very popular debut album. So 2002, Mike, What in the world was going on back then?
0: So 2002 seems like forever ago, and it was. It was over 18 years ago. So it was a legal age person time ago. (laughs) But March 2002, 9-11 is still fresh in everybody's minds. In U.S. news, a a lot of news about the uh, war in Afghanistan. I did want to mention some Canadian news since Simple Plan are, are brothers from the north and march of 2002 in canada is kind of it was kind of a crazy month this is just some brief findings on wikipedia but the so these were some highlights so uh march 4th which was before right before the album came out the government allows stem cell research using human embryos which Whoa. i remember that being a really big deal in the 90s you don't really hear too much about it anymore but I'm sure at the time it was a pretty big conclusion or, or ruling.
1: I do feel like anything embryo-related automatically is something pretty controversial.
0: Sure. Why not? March 11th, this is sad. Uh, six children die when their home burns down in British Columbia. Jesus. I'm only laughing because... Why did you include that? This was, this was the main news of the time in Canada. Wow! Not a so, whole lot I, and on I there, only, I, guess. I only slightly giggled because right below that on the Wikipedia page is on March 26, also in British Columbia, the Supreme Court rules that works of the imagination are not child pornography. <laughs> so, kind of a real what 180 in, in the serious news. I think I didn't read any further into it because I want to be, I wanted to be like a news anchor and just report fair and balanced, unbiased with these stories of the time but I, I would like to think that does that mean a drawing
1: isn't considered child pornography
0: or like a novel like if you depict ah. I don't you know it's not something I really want to google too much research about I don't want to be put on any sort of list or database or, or whatnot so but in some more lighthearted news uh, March 5th the Osbournes premiere on MTV which Seems to be the perfect show to premiere at the time this album is coming out. And I would never really watched too much of that show. Obviously, it was everywhere. So everybody knew Sharon.
1: Yeah, that was and, a big hit. You know, Jack
0: mind. and Megan. Or, and that also pop punk related, of course, the Bowling for Soup song. Isn't her name Kelly Osbourne? Yeah, I think I, I made up the name Megan.
1: <laughs> you almost the, snuck that by us. But.
0: I know. Thank you. Anyway, the Bowling for Soup song, 1985 references, when did Ozzy become an actor? So the answer to that question is March 5th, 2002. And finally, March 25th, three... No, I can't do math. Six days after this album was released, The Bachelor debuts on ABC. So that was 2002 and 24 seasons later, in addition to 15 seasons of The Bachelorette, here we are. Here we are. Wow. That was your world at large and March of two thousand two.
1: What a interesting collection of news stories. It's crazy time. Very crazy time. Okay, great. Thanks for that, Mike. So, diving into our experiences with this album, I think for myself, I actually didn't know a lot about this album. I think I knew the three or four really popular songs that came from it, namely "I Do Anything," "Addicted," "I'm Just a Kid." Those were the really popular ones. But a lot of this album, I at the time, I don't think I listened. It was an album that I bought and I listened straight through. And it wasn't until picking it up recently that I even knew some of these songs. The last few songs of the album, maybe except for Perfect, I think the, the songs just before Perfect, I, I didn't remember a lot of them, actually. I'm not sure if you had a similar experience with that, Mike. But it wasn't as, I think, enema of the state I could legitimately tell you what most of the songs from that track list are this one I couldn't I could probably tell you about half of them
0: yeah I'm kind of in the same boat as you and I think a large part of that was I never bought this CD and I remember you know when you're 10 to 15 years old in the early to mid 2000s when you buy a CD you usually listen to it front to back all the way through over and over eventually you know what songs you like and what songs you want to skip over. But this was must have been burned for me later on. And at that point, I kind of knew, like you said, the main three or four tracks that I wanted to go back and listen to or maybe play in the car or, or whatever. So I really didn't give a lot of the songs kind of sprinkled throughout in between those hits much of a chance. And yeah. I did have a bit of a stigma towards simple plan in the beginning because at the time I know both of us were huge good Charlotte fans and it seemed whether it was just us or I honestly we were 12 years old so I honestly don't know what the general population was like hmm. but it seemed almost like an sync Backstreet Boys thing where these were the two big emerging pop punk bands of this time. And you kind of had to pick which one was your favorite. They both had the hits you could go back to. And they both had the backstory, a lot of similar themes. And we always kind of gravitated towards Good Charlotte. I think we thought they were more authentic. I remember at the time we were under the impression that Simple Plan was almost boy band-like, almost put together or recruited talent. I don't think that actually was the case, but I remember...
1: I remember at that t- being a big... At the time, at the it was like,
0: this is inauthentic. Yeah. yeah. Which, looking back as a 30-year-old, a lot of this stuff is inauthentic. But some <laughs> of it's authentic, Most too. Most of you it, just, really. You, it's just easier to tell now.
1: Yeah, I was going to say something very similar in that we we did love Good Charlotte, and they are very similar bands. If there's anything that I know about your taste in music and your taste in pop punk specifically, and what you also know about my taste is that we're both suckers for good melodies, a lot of good harmonies. And I think Simple Plan and Good Charlotte were the first two bands to really incorporate awesome harmonies into their music. I think right. Blink, Blink does too, but definitely not to the same extent that we hear in Simple Plan. Right. So, I, yeah, I know that looking back at when this, this album came out and the first popular songs, I thought, oh, these guys, are, these guys can sing really well, a lot better than what I was used to in pop punk. It
0: was definitely very polished. Yeah, but I do appreciate that.
1: Totally. So some of the main themes in this album, Mike, I don't know if we're gonna get a ton of variety. There, a lot of the themes are similar to what we heard in "Enema of the State." A couple that seemed to stick out for me were adolescent frustration, which we saw in definitely saw in "Enema of the State." Issues with relationships very real experiences around breakups, maturity, family tension, issues with parents. Simple Plan is one of those bands where they do mention issues with their parents in particular their dads. Right. But one a thing ton, that I th-
0: a ton of parent stuff going on here.
1: One thing that I thought was very very interesting was in addition to the themes that you would expect that are similar with Blink, they also have an alien song in this album which I forgot about and was not expecting.
0: That was one of the ones I missed.
1: That's so strange to me that both of these bands in their first very popular albums would have a song about, about aliens.
0: I wonder if that was almost intentional on Could have been plans yeah. Part.
1: Could be a reference to it, yeah. Even
0: the fact that it's in the title, you know.
1: True. Were there any other themes that you picked up on that besides the ones that I mentioned?
0: No, I just thought I just something I found that I thought was curious. You mentioned there's a ton of themes about parents and family life, and I never knew, just going back to MTV, which still played a pretty pivotal role, even if they didn't show as many music videos as they may have once in the day, they still kind of played a part in music at the time, so there was actually a show, this was more towards their second album, but it was a show hosted by Pierre the lead singer Simple Plan on MPV called Damage Control. I believe it ran for two or three months. So probably not one you can recall, but the premise was basically parents leave for the weekend and they film the kids left at the house and see if they throw parties or something. And then they bring the parents back in and Pierre helps them do damage control. <laughs> so
1: Cue the theme. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's, I knew about this show. I can't tell you if I've seen that. I'm sure I watched a couple episodes, but I can't, I can't picture it. And I can't explain one to you.
0: It just seems like the, the, the idea at the time was just let's pluck anybody with some popularity, give them a show and just see what sticks.
2: Cause that's Clearly. essentially
0: what Jackass and Beaver LaBam was. Those were huge hits and it was just, you know, these guys doing really stupid stuff.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, that sounds like a show that I kind of want to... I might go binge it after this, actually.
0: Yeah, I I intentionally didn't watch it because I didn't want to only talk about that. That's right. Uh,
1: Okay, so a couple tidbits here, Mike. Let me see if you knew this. Did you know that the album features both Joel Madden, lead singer of Good Charlotte, and also Mark Hoppus of Blink-182? I
0: knew one of the two. I know we'll get to this soon, but I know Mark's on the first track. Uh, I don't know where Joel is on the album. So if you want to wait till we discuss that song, fine by me if you want to give it away now.
1: Yeah, I feel like I don't want to spoil it. And we'll get there soon. We'll get there sooner rather than later. So they are both featured, which I thought was cool because, again, Simple Plan, not that popular. This was their breakout. They somehow were able to recruit these two pop punk gods into this album. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I will For point sure. out when, when we hear Joel Madden. Moving on, Michael, to the very first song of the album, comes straight out of the gates with a screamer, I Do Anything. What do you make of this song?
0: This is one of, probably one of the best lead off tracks of any pop punk album I can think of off the top of my head.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: We're going to be talking about Good Charlotte a lot this episode, just because they were kind of very integrated at the time.
1: Some obvious connections. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Good Charlotte usually started their albums off with kind of an instrumental track, which I always skipped, but this is like, they start the album off with one of the best songs on the, on the whole album, probably one of the most memorable to date.
2: When
1: we reviewed Enema of the State and we got to all the small things, I mentioned that for the average person who doesn't typically listen to pop punk music, if you say Blink-182, they think all the small things. I think for most people, and I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you say the name Simple Plan, the majority of them would, would think I'd do anything. Do you agree with that, or do you think there's, there's others that they might?
0: It's definitely one of three. But I, okay. I think the majority would probably say i do anything. It could be a toss-up with Perfect. And then I think "Addicted" would probably be the third one. Okay. But recently, uh, and you know, we can get to this, but I'm just a kid. Has kind of made a resurgence too. So, yeah. But I think if you had talked to somebody between 2002 and 2012, this would be the one.
1: Yep. Okay.
0: And it's it's a really good song. The guitar's awesome. There are some good lines, some cheesy lines. Uh, one that stood out to me was dreaming and dropping out of school, or if you miss me, have no fear. Certain lines like that are are super cheesy, but I think that's kind of what makes these albums endearing.
1: Yeah, very like, on brand for yeah. pop punk at the time and definitely for Simple Plan.
0: Yeah, it's like I do, I do remember having a crush on a girl and yeah. wanting to drop out of school with her. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So this song, it's, it's clearly about a breakup, right? Mm-hmm it's about a couple who break up but the guy who obviously the singer of the song wants to try to win this person back and this it seems like this is his final chance to really win this person back and in in the song he's really thinking of all the good times that he had with that person it's looking at a relationship longingly about what you had with that person and it's very happy but also very sad because you know you won't have those experiences again
0: right i'll be here i'll be waiting it's kind of your Final plea, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. In middle school, when we listened to the song in middle school, this song was very poignant for our, whatever, 10 to 12-year-old selves. I remember listening to this song and thinking, these guys get me.
0: Right. You're very impressionable at that time. And it's like, all I yeah, they're right. All I want to do is hold a girl and make her laugh.
1: I would literally do anything to do that.
0: <laughs> I wish a girl laughed at me.
1: Just to hold you in my arms. <laughs> my strong 12-year-old arms. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't think I had ever even talked to a girl by that point <laughs>
1: yeah. in time. Uh, yeah, At least very, not
0: romantically.
1: No, of course not. Uh, very, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> this is also the song that features Mark Hoppus. He featured in the bridge of this song has a very... Very powerful moment in there.
0: It's my favorite part.
1: Favorite part of the song, the Mark Hoppus part.
0: Yeah, he sprinkles in a little uh, Mark Hoppus pixie dust. That's right. It's, a couple nanas. The nanas are great. I remember reading when we talked about anima that they liked writing songs with Nana. It's fun. It's catchy. And his little part in this song kind of reminds me of his bridge in feeling this. Mm-hmm. And there's some lyrics that I kind of made note of. Uh, he says, I close my eyes and all I think of is you or whatever.
1: Oh, I see is you. Yeah.
0: All I see is you. And then in feeling this, he says, I look to the past and I remember a smile. So yep. it's that same kind of nostalgic wanting and longing for what was.
1: That's right. It is nostalgic. It feels nostalgic, but it's it's a happy nostalgic, but also a sad feeling of knowing that this person will not be coming back.
0: Right. A lot of these songs and kind of what we found on Blink is like, if you actually look at the lyrics, there's not a, a ton of happy stuff going on. But no. you would forget that just based off of, I was 12 when I heard this song and it was a great, upbeat, happy song, right? It's like the song is I thought the same heartbreaking.
1: Thing. The one thing that I wanted to ask you, Mike, do you think that Mark Hoppus, what do you think was the situation where he was brought into this album? Was it, they were this up and coming band and they went out on a limb and said, Oh, it'd be awesome for us if we'd be able to get Mark Hoppus to join us. Or do you think he was a friend of the band? Do you think they were more contemporaries and he was jumping in to do something fun and different with them? Or was this kind of a favor to an up and coming band? What, what are your thoughts on that? I
0: tried to look for this and i don't know if you have any concrete information i have and nothing I, I'm, I'm legitimately curious i didn't see anything other than he, it's just he's featured on the album which is kind of a huge boast i guess for your first album so i don't know yeah. it could have been that i'm sure at the time a lot of these guys were kind of playing similar shows maybe playing warp tour or something like that it's possible he caught their set at some point and thought i could lend a hand to these guys and help them out which i'm not I, i'm not sure if you could say his role in this song is instrumental to them taking off but i'm sure it helped if people heard of uh, mark from blinks on this new band's cd maybe i'll check it out <laughs> but i thought maybe i would see a producer credit or a, a songwriter credit but nothing none of that seems to be there so Interesting. it could have just been mark's a pretty decent guy seems like that way to this day so Just wanted to help a fellow pop punk group out a little bit.
1: Second song on the album, The Worst Day Ever. This one, I think it's a little bit slower than I do anything. Definitely more emotional, a little bit sadder. I thought this one was the epitome of the middle schooler's life. I thought it was the classic plight of the middle schooler or high schooler. Never getting enough sleep, never having enough money, summer's too short. It's basically all the the classic complaints you have as a middle schooler or a high schooler all kind of baked into one. So they were really, Pierre was really trying to channel that emotion of most things in life at that age are just frustrating. Right. For sure. I
0: still can relate to 6 AM. The clock is ringing. I need to spend an hour snoozing and this isn't uh, prepared or anything, but I was complaining to my wife today that our son wakes up at almost six o'clock on the dot every morning. And I should just know that, but working from home at the moment, I start my day at 730. Mm-hmm. So I still want to spend that hour snoozing, man, 18 years later. And it's that line. I was like, what are, what are the odds that we're discussing this today?
1: And it still and relates to your life. I
0: was being a big baby earlier, complaining <laughs> that I had to wake up at 6 a.m. like a big boy. <laughs>
1: So are you reverting back to your high school slash middle school years or? I hope not.
0: <laughs> I hope that's the only thing that I still long for.
1: I don't know. And are you also at, upset about not having enough money and summer's too short? I think you might be.
0: Definitely could use some more money. <laughs> summer's not really summer this year, at least. So,
1: Good point. But, you know, a lot of times it's like, yeah, summer. Summer could be longer. So I guess I was saying that. This is the plate of the middle schooler, but really this is just the plate of everybody. And maybe even more so late 20s, early 30s.
0: Yeah, it's probably similar to us now other than I think we have enough context to be able to confirm internally that it's not the worst day ever. Yeah. At this age, a lot of stuff did
1: seem like, oh, this is the worst. Every day did feel like the worst day ever. Right. Although... It's important to remember, Mike, that there is one day that you're going to live that is the worst day ever.
0: I, I don't disagree with you.
1: Do you follow what I'm saying at all or no? No. There's one day in your lifetime that will be the worst day ever. Are you still not following what I'm saying? No. What? I don't. Okay. In your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know which one it is yet.
1: Yeah, I know. But in your life, there will be a day that is considered the worst day ever.
0: <laughs> all right. I thought that was a trick question. No, I thought you, I thought you knew what my worst day ever was, and no. you wanted to meet me.
1: No, I'm just telling you that.
0: Honestly, I Monday hope I've already.
1: Will be the right one.
0: You're right. I I hope I've already had that one. Yeah, you're getting was, inside my head a little bit.
1: Sorry, maybe that one was a little too abstract. No,
0: I think I'm just <laughs> stupid. There, there, before we move on, there was one line that I just laughed at. And it has to do with the summer being gone. So it's summer plans are gone forever. Mm-hmm. I trade them in for dishpan water. Oh, yeah. Which, okay, what does that mean? Is does he wash dishes for a living? Is he is he expected to do chores at home? That kind of stuck out to me as maybe they could have found a better a better line. But hey, we're talking yeah. about it eighteen years later. So
1: it's also kind of funny because forever and water don't rhyme.
0: Yeah, that might be part of it too. So is,
1: they chose that.
0: Yeah. They really went out of their way to force dishpan water into one yeah. of their songs.
1: <laughs> yeah. Does that mean something they different They needed to Canada? work dishpan water in. Yeah. yeah I don't
0: know. Maybe dishpan water is like a, a real Canadian term for a really bad thing. Who knows?
1: Could be. We'll never know. We'll have to ask our, uh, maybe one of our Canadian listeners can, can close <laughs> yeah. in
0: on that. Big shout out to the Canadian listeners. We appreciate you.
1: It's actually a very big portion of our current listener base. So. At least half, I think. Thank you guys. Yeah, at least half. Third track on the album, You Don't Mean Anything.
2: This one.
1: I would say my favorite song on the album is I do anything. This one I think is my second favorite song on the album. It's more upbeat. So we have kind of a slower song at track two and worst day ever. This one picks up a little bit. I really like the vocals in it. I really like the harmonies in it. It's all about hating somebody who has wronged you a few times and you're basically done with them. Not sure if it's, It could be anybody in your life, but not sure if this is specifically supposed to be referencing a a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a parent, or maybe just a friend. I don't know if that's really clear in the lyrics. I don't know. Did you pick up on anything like that made it one or the other? Or does it seem like this is more of a general just being over somebody who is a bad influence on you and within your life?
0: Yeah, I think they probably tried to intentionally leave it open-ended. And there's not much more elaboration than just the word you, 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 me, me, me. So it's kind of create your own meaning. Yeah. It could be a boss. It could be your mom and dad getting on your case. Could be an ex. Could be that jerk at school who just won't leave you alone.
1: Yeah. I got a sense that there were some lines that alluded to this person being a bully. I don't know if, if it was really, oh, this is a bully in the traditional sense of, A middle school bully but or if it was more vaguely just having a bully in your life but there were a couple references to bullies which i thought was interesting
0: bullies suck man
1: bullies do suck bullies are the worst
0: rise above hate
1: this was the song mike that features joel madden by the way surprise huh it's not is he throughout the
0: track or is he
1: he sings in every chorus, I believe. I think he's Jeez. featured in the chorus. Wow. You almost wouldn't hear it. It's kind of crazy.
0: Well, I almost didn't. You didn't, I, didn't. I don't think. No. So And this yeah. this was one of the songs that I was most familiar with coming into this.
1: I think it's mainly because we know that Mark Hoppus is featured because he has... He has a little part, yeah. He's singing solo in the bridge, whereas right. the only way Joel is featured is he's singing the harmony for Pierre. Right. So hmm. unless you're really listening. Unless he does he a really good job blending voice,
0: in with the band, you know.
1: He does indeed. And again, they're so similar. And, and there you have it. I remember in, back in the day on LimeWire or <laughs> Napster or one of those, I remember downloading a video of Joel singing in the studio and recording his line for You Don't Mean Anything. And so wow. there is proof out there. And just to, be, just to be safe, I went on YouTube and I found that video. Wow, so, it's out there still. It is out there. If we can post that somewhere, we'll try to do that. I but-
0: thought you were going to say you downloaded it from Napster and it was attributed to Good Charlotte cuz I know there oh, was no. a lot of stuff like that back in the day, but but no, this was this is one of my highlights on the on the album as well. And there's a couple of these where I I've kind of made mental notes that if they had released this song as opposed to one of the other ones, I could see it being just as big a hit as some of their other songs that they actually did put out as singles. Yeah. So I think we're both pretty high on this one.
1: Definitely, one of my favorite Simple Plan songs of all time, for sure.
0: One of my faves as well.
1: Track four is I'm Just a Kid. If I remember this correctly, I don't know if I actually looked this up, but I think this was their first single. I think this was the first single on the album. Do you know that for sure?
0: So it looks like it was. This was actually released about a month before the album. It was released in February of 2002. And actually, I Do Anything was the next one not released until October of 2002. So this was kind of the song that preceded the album release.
1: This was their their debut single then, I suppose.
0: Sure. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember any songs before this one
1: what i do remember is this song was heavily featured at the time looking back to those early 2000s this was featured in several movies back then i remember this one would always come up and i think it was in was it in the new guy it might have been in like a scooby doo movie
0: it was you know scooby doo sounds familiar i honestly couldn't tell you if i've ever seen the new guy but this definitely is one of those songs that If we took the time to watch a lot of those like American Pie-type movies from this point in time,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm sure it's spliced in there. Maybe not prominently, but some guitar riffs here or there, it's got to be in a lot of those movies.
1: I'm just reading now. It was featured in the films Grind, The New Guy, and Cheaper by the Dozen. Cheaper by the Dozen? Yeah.
0: That's a great movie. That
1: is a great movie. Yeah, and the music video featured... I think his name is DJ Qualls, and he's that really skinny, awkward guy who was the lead in The New Guy, and he was, in, he was sort of the awkward, nerdy guy in all those movies back then. He was the featured actor in their music video for I'm Just a Kid, so there you was go. Was he the kid? I th- think he was meant to be the kid, yes. The music video is about how an awkward, average guy, oh, DJ wow. Qualls, attempts to impress a popular girl by attempting to perform dangerous stunts.
0: Okay. There you go. Yeah, this guy is 42 and he still looks like he's just a kid.
1: You know that guy, right? He, yeah, for sure. He has sort of that every guy, nerdy look. He to looks
0: him. like you want to stuff him in a locker. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't have lockers big enough to hold people when no. we went to school, but.
1: We did not. This right, was, after,
0: right after we said not to bully. Ugh.
1: Yeah, I know. That's not, that's not nice, Mike. It's not. Didn't Simple Plan teach you anything?
0: They, so they, they taught me that I need to be the bully. That's true. Stop getting bullied.
1: Yeah. Eat yeah. or be eaten, right? That's right. What I remember about this song, obviously very similar themes to Worst Day Ever. In my mind, the lyrics were sort of the classic overreaction for a middle schooler or a high schooler. Like You feel like the world's ending when anything mildly bad happens to you. Like One of the lines, Mike, is they're talking about how nobody calls the protagonist of the song, so life is a nightmare and the world's moving on without you. Right, it's very dramatic. Very dramatic. You can just picture those days when you were in your bedroom and you weren't allowed to leave the house or nobody was texting or calling you. I don't even know if we had we didn't even have cell phones back then. but Not then,
0: but re- shortly after. But I think this was kind of FOMO before FOMO was a recognized societal term. It was that fear of being left out or yeah. not being invited to that party and then maybe hearing about it at school and thinking, Wait, what? Like everybody was there? Everybody?
1: <laughs> Except yeah. for me? That's what this song definitely captured. And I always knew this fact, but I, it took me re-listening to this album to really think about it more was, at the time, the guys in Simple Plan were in their early 20s. Pierre was 23 at the time. But all these songs he's singing with his nasally pop-punk voice as if he's a middle schooler. Right. There's something a little strange about that when you really think about it. He's clearly trying to pander to the emotional, overdramatic kids that might be thinking these things. But he's, he's not that young. He's in his early 20s. Is there something yeah. a weird or off about that?
0: I think he's just trying to pander to the 10-year-olds that are asking their moms for 20 bucks to go to the mall and buy this seating. It has to be thinking back to when I was 23, it's lifetimes removed from you know at that point you're if you went to college you're done college and high school and middle school are kind of eons behind you Mm -hmm. so just trying to channel back into that I guess kudos to them and as we've said so far there are some feelings that do kind of reverberate back from these lyrics so as superficial or Odd as it may be for their song choices, they still do a pretty good job of, I think, bringing some of that emotion a little bit coming back.
1: Definitely, I do like how at the very end of this song, he acknowledges that the reason that he's feeling these things is because he is just a kid. He finally figures out the fact that it is an overreaction simply because he's just a kid, and this is what all kids feel. Right. I, I thought that was a cool way to wrap it up. I thought he was, it, it was him acknowledging that everybody feels this way at that age.
0: Yeah, it's kind of some self-reflection. You kind of take a step back and think, all right, maybe this is a little bit overblown, you know? But I know we were saying that this was probably their their first single, and it also kind of had a revised increase in popularity recently through TikTok, right?
1: that's what i've been made aware of i'm not on tiktok and i don't know but i do know that my roommate's girlfriend who is frequently on tiktok i do hear the song coming from her phone pretty frequently and i do understand that yeah apparently this is a big it's a big meme on tiktok
0: i am also not young enough or privy enough to do the tiktok but i have seen a <laughs> do couple the of TikTok. these i have seen a couple of these where it's like family members recreating old photos and then they drop the chorus i i think
1: okay so that's the meme
0: yeah so gotcha. yeah a couple of the popular cool. tiktok trends it's so prevalent nowadays that you do see it so i did see a couple of these and <laughs> i don't know i'm sure that caused a couple of new teens to go listen to simple plan
1: i'm thinking maybe we'll have to record our own i'm just a kid meme
0: i don't see why not
1: yeah it seems like now it's... that we put it
0: out there we have to
1: fortuitous yeah before we move on Mike I do have one question for you that I that I need to get the answer to the opening line of this song I woke up it was seven I waited till 11 just to figure out that no one would call is that 7 and 11 a.m. or 7 and 11 p.m. neither one seems obvious to me no it has to be
0: p.m. because p.m. yeah then they say what's another night all alone right maybe you lie down and you Put your phone next to you and think somebody's gonna call wake me up and say yo dude we you gotta get to so-and-so's there's a party going on that's that's why i always took it i don't know we're taking a nap or something and then woke up ready to go but no text no calls no nothing
1: yeah okay so it's a classic early evening nap situation is what you're is what you're picking I up i think on here. so maybe okay. you got home
0: from school got a little snack turned on some cartoons and just dozed off on the couch.
1: Roll over to see that nobody called you on that phone.
0: <laughs> Roll on <Got> back.
1: <laughs> okay. So the next one, like track five, when I'm with you. This is one that I would say I definitely didn't really remember. I don't think I listened to it all that much back in the day. When I re-listened to the album, this is one that I I really liked. There are a couple on this album that I still feel like I can probably take it or leave it. But this one is one that I think I'll listen to a lot more in the future. And yeah, yeah, this one was, it was a lot better than I remembered it.
0: I think we're in the exact same boat I think what I did is I probably skipped uh, tracks five and six and went straight to addicted after I'm just a kid yep, because I was listening through to this and really had no recollection of it whatsoever, but it's still a really catchy upbeat song, which going back to what I said before, if they had put this out as a single, I could kind of see it taking off
1: what I thought the theme of this one was it was all about unrequited love. The singer really likes the person that they're singing about. There's this disparity between you're infatuated with somebody, but also you despise them because they don't like you back. And because of that, you want to forget about them. Right. It almost reminds me a little bit of on Enema of the State, that song, Dysentery Gary. Do you remember that one? I do. That one was, I think it was more specifically about hating the guy that the person you're in love with is with but it was sort of that feeling of well I really like this person but they don't like me back so I kind of hate them and I hate who they're with and I hate everything about them
0: right but you still can't shake that feeling of when you were with them
1: yeah that's what I thought move on what I also thought was pretty funny about this song I don't know if you picked up on it too but he mentions a lot of the classic things that is sometimes hard to pick up on if somebody's not interested in you. But they're they're the very classic signs that somebody's not interested in you. So it talks about somebody not returning your calls and having very short responses. It's like all those things where if somebody was, was trying to give you advice and you explained that the person wasn't calling you back or was answering one word text, they would be like, oh, that person's not into you.
0: Right. Like, take a couple hints here, man.
1: Yeah, which I thought was kind of funny because that was even before classic text culture where those things were very obvious but i guess even back yeah. then
0: 4k was a just a dagger through the heart
1: yeah exactly <laughs> but even back then i guess just talking in person or if talking on the phone somebody was still short with you yeah just one
0: word mhm yeah
1: mhm oh yeah mhm exactly
0: just you know she's filing her nails on the other end of the phone
1: <laughs> yeah
0: not giving one damn about you
1: nope that was a good one
0: it was. Yeah, I'm, this is part of this project that I'm gonna find probably the most fun is just kind of finding these songs on these old albums that had I known about them would probably be some of my favorite songs to yeah. this day. But I just never really listened to them for one reason or the other. Right. Uh, but this next song I can safely say is not one of those. Uh oh, here we go. Meet you there. This was the exact opposite of When I'm With You, where When I'm With You is like, wow, I can't believe I never listened to this. This is awesome. Cool. This Meet You There, it's definitely one of the slower songs on the album. And it's probably not fair for me to make it my least favorite since I didn't really know it existed. (laughs) But I tried to listen through a couple times to songs I wasn't more familiar with. And this one was always just a little bit of a struggle.
1: This one's weird because it's a slow song. But it's not a slow song like The Worst Day Ever and I'm Just a Kid. Those are kind of slow songs too, but they have upbeat parts to them. This one, they clearly wrote this to elicit an emotional sad response. This right. is somehow slower than the other ones. Very emotional tone. And I'd be very interested to hear what you think this was about. I thought... It's clearly about somebody going away, and they sort of mention that a few times, that this person's going away and you're never gonna be able to see them again. And I thought they were trying to make it sound like a very painful breakup, but the more I listen to it, I think it's actually about somebody you love dying.
0: Yeah, I can see that too. Uh I'll meet you there no matter where life takes me. I'll meet you there, and even if I need you here, I'll meet you there. So I can definitely see that being this person is gone due to kind of no fault of your own or their own, whether that's through death or, or whatever. That, I mean, that's that's where my mind is going. Just kind of hoping and praying that in the end, you will meet them again. Kind of like a low-key sad boy song here, but
1: yeah, the kind reason of makes me I,
0: feel bad for just dismissing it.
1: I know. It's kind of messed up. They're trying to connect with you. They're trying to pull your heartstrings and you just totally dismiss them. Aunt, sorry. <laughs> but the reason that I don't think it's about a breakup is because their breakup songs are not like this. Their breakup songs are about how, as we've heard in the past, they're still longing for the person or now they hate them. And this person doesn't mean anything to you anymore. But this one is you're looking forward to seeing them again somewhere. Yeah. Whether that be the afterlife or whatever they're, they're hinting at, but it, it was more emotional than their other breakup songs.
0: I could definitely see this being like a death song. I'll meet you whenever this life is over or whatever. It kind of reminds me of that uh, Jimmy Eat World song, Hear You Me, that Mm -hmm. says angels lead you in. That one's kind of, you know what that song's about. right? And this one's kind of a similar theme, but maybe not as straightforward, I guess.
1: If it's about death, I think this has to be one of the deeper, more emotional pop punk songs that we have from that time period, the late 90s, early 2000s time period. In and fact, also it, the worst. And also the worst. <laughs> wow. I was not well, expecting you to hate this that much.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll give another listen after this, but we should specify that there was definitely a lot of death and dying in songs, but not really reflective, heavenly kind of songs. It was more like Hold On or Adam's song, more like suicide-driven, which is also really sad.
1: Compared to, if we're comparing it to last week's "Anima of the State episode, it feels like this is the Adam song of this album, though. For sure. It's the, it's the one that feels a little bit off topic, and it's, it is sadder and more emotional than the rest of the album.
0: Yeah, it's definitely it's the one slower song. I just think Adam's song is one of the more catchier songs on that album, and this one is kind of, all right, it's nice, but it doesn't really hook me. That's fair to say. Whereas a lot of these other ones, even the ones I haven't listened to previously, they really kind of get your toes a (laughs) tapping.
1: Okay, track seven. Addicted, here we go. Boom. An absolute banger. iconic so i think again there are probably two songs that you could argue are the more the most famous most popular on this album i think addicted is one of those two i think the other one being i do anything but this is sort of the iconic simple plan song
0: yeah so i still think perfect's in there i think it's a triple like a three-headed dog but this was probably the f- first song that i think i heard which probably is wrong cause I'm sure I heard some of the other ones first, but this was definitely my favorite when I was younger. And I think part of that was the fact that when you sang along to it, you got to say the word dick in the chorus. <laughs> yeah. And as an 11, 12 year old, whatever, that felt really bad. And yeah, they were uh, pushing,
1: pushing the envelope a little bit with this one. This was definitely a controversial song because of that.
0: And you could just, if your parents got on your case, you could just tell them, no, mom, they just didn't finish the word yet. (laughs) Which they will if you keep listening. Later on, yeah. (laughs) So, and I I would imagine this is still probably one of the most fun songs to sing along to at their live shows for that reason.
1: Yeah. In fact, I, I watched a video of them performing this song live. And nowadays in the last few years, when they're so far removed from this song, they now introduce it as the song that they say the word dick in which I guess elicits a pretty good laugh from the probably 40-year-old men that are there now. Oh, yeah!
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right, you do say dick in this one.
1: They
0: really keep it clean for the most part, as opposed to, you know, Blink's lyrics were more on the raunchy side. Right. For the most part, this whole album is kind of... It gets the point across emotionally, but it's pretty clean lyrics-wise. Let me quick take a look-ski on Spotify. They don't even have the little expletive next to it so i guess it doesn't warrant that no big f-bombs or s-bombs or anything
1: i guess this was the one mulligan that they gave simple plan
0: sure when they produced them in a lab <laughs> Yeah, but i remember the thing that really hooked me was the opening guitar on this it's just so nice it reminds me so of so unique it's so unique and it reminds me of almost like an 80s ballad i think of sweet child of mine when you hear that opening guitar, you just think this song's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why, whether it was the first one I actually listened to or not, it, was, it had the most impression on me back when yeah. I was in my teens and tweens.
1: This is another one of those songs that falls into the category of it's somewhere between being slow and being upbeat and fast. Like I almost can't describe the tempo of this song. You could rock out to this, but also be like, oh, this is slower and sadder than what I'm used to compared to like a Blink-182 or some 41 song. Do you know what I mean? For I sure. don't know how to describe this. The pacing is
0: definitely slower, even though it never feels... Like, it doesn't feel like a slow... It's just a slower-paced song. Right. And one of my favorite parts of the song is when they ask, how long will I be waiting until the end of the time? And then they hit you with that like that That classic sound yeah yeah it's great so the fact that the rest of the song is kind of slower paced makes that really that guitar that comes in there that much more satisfying
1: the other thing that always stood out to me about this song that i thought was cool and why it was probably so popular and so unique was whereas other bands at the time would the way that they would set up a song the lyrics that they would write would be oh i love you and i miss you they decided to describe it as your feelings for somebody as being addicted to them. I had never heard that before. That's such a unique way to explain your emotions. Like it's so strong. It's stronger than love. It's an addiction. Yeah, that I'm sure part kind of,
0: of that cool. was our age at the time. Thankfully, we hadn't become addicted to anything yet. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it's stronger than love or lust. It's, it's an addiction. That is a cool way of going about it.
1: Yeah, that always stood out to me.
0: But I think just yelling heartbreaker is cool too. Yeah. (laughs) This song to me is just about yelling cool stuff.
1: That's right, yeah. Yeah. That's why it stood out so much. Track eight, this is where we take a very strange turn and this is where the comparisons with Blink-182 become almost unbelievable. The song's called My Alien and it's about an alien. Not unlike Blink-182's song, Aliens Exist.
0: This was a more consensual alien relationship as opposed to the aliens exist alien, but this was just- Consensual. She's his alien girlfriend. He's not getting probed or whatnot, so.
1: So this song, I think it was just them having fun. They have all these super emotional songs about very heavy things like breakups and death and family relationships that aren't working out. And they wanted to just break it up with this kind of fun song about having an alien girlfriend.
0: Yeah. I think it's kind of quirky too. There was a lot of that in this scene at the time when you kind of took pride in being different and being out there. So they literally allude to an alien. But I think outside of that, it's kind of saying, my girl, she's so wild. She's from outer space. She's my alien.
1: I'm happy you said that because... The only other explanation I had for the song, besides the fact that they wanted to literally talk about an alien girlfriend and thought that was a really funny concept was more figuratively, they could be explaining how their girlfriend is so unique. And these comparisons they make are because she is incomparable in a lot of ways. So I, I also kind of picked up on that.
0: She's out of this world. She's literally out of this world. It almost seems like a song they just wrote for a movie. And then like slapped on an album. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah,
1: it does like, sound like Here's that.
0: a dating movie where a guy finds out he's dating an alien. And yeah. then it's like, simple plan, write our opening track.
1: Does he stay at home or does he leave his family and move to Mars?
0: <laughs> right. Maybe were they trying to...
1: Were they trying to pitch something? they they trying to get a, a movie greenlit?
0: Could be. I think we'll aliens were just big, like in the 90s and early 2000s. You had the X-Files, you had... There's always been a fascination, but it could just be a little tribute to Blink. Who knows? Little nod, tip of the cap.
1: I I don't know why else it would be on here. It just seems like that's such a strange similarity between these two albums.
0: Yeah, it almost served the same purpose as Aliens Exist on Enema, where it's just, it's kind of just their fun song. Maybe they got tired of writing about serious subjects or really putting a lot of effort into coming up with lyrics and it's like, Let's just do this silly song.
1: I think we can agree on that. Cool. Track number nine God Must Hate Me.
0: This was one of the ones that I remember I did listen to back in the day. And that's probably due to the extremeness of it. When you mm-hmm. see a track called God Must Hate Me, you want to figure out why. And there's still, there's still a couple lyrics on this song that I can kind of relate to. There's, I'm screwing up every little thing I ever tried to do. I'm born to lose. And I still really like this line. I still have days when nothing's going my way you're running late for work and you have a knot in your shoe and you have to take an extra five minutes to undo the knot. Just one silly little example when it's like, man, I'm born to lose. Mm-hmm. So what other explanation besides God hating me?
1: Yeah. It was fate that this was going to go. Holy. Right. There are a lot of times when you're growing up and you're that age, you're in middle school and you're in high school where you feel like you literally can't catch a break and you're doing everything wrong. and you're making a lot of mistakes you're constantly screwing things up and you're letting everybody down that happened so often the most minor mistakes felt like the end of the world and it felt like they would just pile on and on
0: yeah so this is another song that alludes to being whether it's middle school or high school there's a line that says last night i had to study for this test i forgot man i'm dead and (laughs) that seems so silly to me because The previous verse, the example was he took his dad's car out and and crashed it. And so it's like, that's definitely way worse than (laughs) forgetting to study for a test. But when you're 16 years old...
1: What if it's the SATs, Mike?
0: It could be huge, depending on how your parents react when you bring home a a C or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) At that point in your life, it's hard to differentiate between big things and little things. Right. So in his mind, it's like, well, I crashed a car and I also screwed up the spinal.
1: Yeah. It's a weird way to weigh those priorities.
0: Yeah. The only thing that you care about is uh, everything's going wrong. You're stuck in hell.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What I thought was really funny, this is sort of a, a strange little aside, but one of my most frequent nightmares to this day is it's not forgetting to study for a test and showing up and not being prepared, but I have this very specific nightmare these days where I show up to a final in college and mm-hmm. I haven't attended class
0: the entire semester. at all,
1: the entire semester. It's and, awful. And I show up to the final and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to skate by here?
0: Yeah. I think that's a pretty common Do you dream. have that? Absolutely. Almost. But that's specific? Yeah. Oh my God, that's so weird. The first time I'm showing up in this classroom, like, I don't even know where the classroom is. Yeah. They like have to find somebody to try to walk to class with. <laughs> and just getting there and thinking, I never went to this class. Yeah. And so now the more we talk about it, the more I think, yeah, that does suck when you forget to study for a test. Just that dream, because say you're 16 years old and you crash your dad's car, your parents first reaction is probably going to be, well, thank goodness you're okay. Right. You know, the insurance will cover the car. We're just happy that you're okay. Yeah. They may not be as understanding about a test that they thought you were studying for and you completely bombed. Yeah. That that's could totally be totally
1: your fault. Bad timing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like accidents happen in terms of like driving and whatnot. But my parents always told me your job is to just go to school. <laughs> it's like that's yeah. all you have to do. I'm lucky that that was kind of my only job at the time. But looking back, it's like, I definitely should have done better in school. <laughs> but, for sure. You know,
1: whatever. Well, that, that line about forgetting to study for a test brought back some PTSD of this recurring nightmare I have about showing up to a final that I'm not prepared for. So
0: it, The same thing happens to me. I'm sure it happens to a lot of people yeah, in some form. Just that gut-wrenching, heart-dropping feeling that you're not prepared for what's about to come your way.
1: Right. Track number ten. I won't, be there. I, can't stay.
2: I won't be there.
1: So this one, Mike, another one where I didn't. I probably skipped over it trying to get to one of the last songs on the album. Perfect, but re listen to this one. And it seems to be about running away from a dysfunctional family. The one line that really stands out is, so don't expect to find me sleeping in my bed. Cause when you wake up, I won't be there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Pretty obvious. It's about running away right. and having your parents realize that you're gone. You finally had enough and, and you're, you're out of there. Another line is, This is the last night that I spend at home. Won't take long for you to notice. Won't take long for you to find out that I'm gone. I mean, it's pretty much the entirety of the song. So I think it's pretty clear what it's about. And again, like a lot of songs in this album, you can probably picture those times when you were at home and your parents were giving you a hard time about a bad grade on a test or about something that happened. You got in trouble at school or they wouldn't let you go and hang out with your friends. And you just thought
0: there's no other solution than to just run away
1: I have to get out of here yeah yeah it's another classic theme that you would experience back in the day
0: yeah small insignificant problems looking back but in the moment seemingly heavy subjects you know huge deal but I think content aside I think this is another song that's just super catchy the verses kind of sound to me almost like a na 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 boo boo
1: <laughs> like a I- nursery rhyme
0: Yeah, this is definitely one that I wasn't as familiar with, but definitely one of the highlights for me uh, rediscovering this album.
1: Can I tell you something that it might blow your mind, it also might not blow your mind? Sure. So think about what you just sang. Think about mm-hmm. that, that little line that you just sang there. I had this weird thought, re listening to this song, that it sounded exactly like the Proclaimers, I'm going to be the 500 Miles song. Ah, I can see that. And so I actually listened to them both kind of back to back and I would pause and the pre-chorus and the chorus of both songs sound very oddly similar. That's interesting.
0: I would have to re-listen to both of them kind of like you just did. Yeah. But they are both definitely very regimented like the da 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 da
1: it's so weird once i thought about it once like sing, i can't sing song-y. i can't not think about it or not hear it very strange so that was a I weird mean, tidbit
0: i definitely know both of the songs and i can see what you're talking about but i would be curious to just kind of line them up and just go back and forth
1: try it you should try it after this
0: that's our homework.
1: That's our homework for this. Cool. And we'll, we'll report back. Sounds good. The next song, track 11, One Day. The opening of this song actually kind of sounded like a country song to me.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a finger-picking vibe. It kind of reminded me of like a Third Eye Blind sort of song. Okay, yeah. Like maybe a little bit more like surfy pop kind of. hmm But I kind of like it.
1: No, it's a good song. I thought as far as the themes in the song, it was similar to the last one. So the last one was all about running away. You're too young to leave on your own. You can't drive away, but you just want to get out of there. So you're packing yourself up, you're running away. This one seemed like it was all about you're actually finally old enough and it was about moving out and moving on and getting away from your current family situation. One of the lines actually says, I won't have to run away and you won't be there to say I'm not allowed to. So I think it is actually sort of this coming of age feeling of I'm on my own. I can finally go out on my own. I don't have to answer to anybody.
0: Right. You can run away legally or. Yeah. Leave or go to college or get your own apartment or whatever.
1: Just get in your car and drive away, yeah.
0: It's almost like they wrote all of these songs together and then just put them in one big document and just like move them (laughs) around
1: This
2: one This
0: is the one when we actually are leaving for real.
1: Yeah. Well this one almost feels like the sequel to the to the previous song.
0: Yeah. This This is is the the grown up version of the
1: previous song. This is the one where your parents
0: can't stop you. You're kind of under your own control.
1: I thought that was kind do, of funny.
0: To do to do what I want to, and I won't have to run away, and you won't be there to say I'm not allowed to yeah. one day. Take that, mom and dad. Dude, if I had listened to this when I was twelve, I'd be like, "They're right." <laughs> <laughs> this isn't. This isn't a bad song.
1: No, I think it's. I a think fine the guitar song.
0: is cool. The chorus has that really nice crunchy pop punk guitar sound to it.
1: Yeah, you know? it's it. A- it's uh the the way i describe it is the classic pop punk sound yeah where it's just kind of scratching the guitar and when i hear this song i picture the guys in the band like all jumping in unison and landing oh, yeah. at the same time and it's oh yeah it's almost like the guys you gotta in hit band, that jump
0: you gotta hit you, that you jump. gotta hit that jump
1: and it's almost like the guys in the band wrote this song specifically for that moment in concert where they can just Jump around together. Yeah, they've read the song The jump, song, the jump song. off
0: an amp together.
1: Yes. So that was, yeah, I I thought it was like, this is that song in this album for them. Kind of a classic sound. Yeah,
0: I would say another one I wish I had listened to sooner because it kind of was a little bit of a bop.
1: Yeah, it was a bop. Track 12, it's the final track on the album, although they did release this album with bonus tracks and they released a couple different versions of it that you and I both discovered Looking at Wikipedia and looking at Spotify, but this is, for all intents and purposes, this is the final song on the track. Perfect. You
2: pretend that I'm all right. And you can't change me we lost it all. Nothing lasts for we can't go back. I'm sorry. I can't be
1: perfect. It all sort of culminates into this song. And it is one of the, one of their most famous songs. It is one of their most emotional songs. It really tapped into emotion that most pop punk bands didn't have the ability to do. These guys were creative enough to actually write a song like this. And it is kind of about that relationship with your parents where they don't quite understand you and you don't quite understand them. And I think it's about that distance in your relationship with your parents.
0: Agreed. I think when I first listened to this song, it was like a, wow, like this song's really deep. Thankfully I was never able to relate cause I never really had a bad relationship with my parents or my father in particular, mm-hmm. but there is still that. Yeah they do want me to be perfect sometimes and I just can't do it. I'm sure the majority of the time in actuality, they they don't expect perfection. They just want you to try, you know, listen to them when they try to help you out and maybe any sort of... Yeah, any sort of criticism or recommendation seems like condemnation when it's just a nudge, not a push, you know? Right. I was thinking about it and if I had to tell the average Joe what my favorite Simple Plan song was, I probably would say it's i do anything but if i'm talking to a true pop punker this is my favorite song and i had the joy of listening to it again it is one of those songs that i kind of feel silly listening to now just because it is pretty like emoey and but it's a, it's an amazing song so i listened to it a couple times the past week or so and checked out the music video again and it was like a rush of memories came coming back so this definitely is my favorite song on the album, which is why I I feel obligated to keep throwing it in there in terms of best standouts on, on this album. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the music video for this song?
1: I think I do, yeah.
0: It was prime pop punk.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: were all playing on top of a house.
1: Yeah, I do remember by the, it.
0: By the way, a very nice mid-sized suburban home. <laughs> the one that... I'm sure most of the problems we discussed on this album came from. So they're on top of this house. There's kids in the bedrooms inside and they're just, their parents are yelling and they just don't understand that they can't be perfect. And then it starts raining. It only makes the song better. If you didn't think the song would get better, I urge you to watch the music video again because it either makes it better or makes it cornier. But in my opinion, that's what makes it better. I was watching that right before we actually started. So it's still... Still fresh in your mind? Yeah, I'm still just... I have a high off of that.
1: It is one of those music videos where a lot of them from back in the day are forgettable, but this one is one that you just don't forget. Yeah. It was sort of that moving and that significant.
0: Yeah, because there is a lot of emotion to it. I was trying to look at all of the band members' shirts in the video because they all had something written on them. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to see what... Brands were cool back in 2002, but I wasn't able to quite catch it. I didn't have the time to do film study, but... I'm sure there's a lot of Quicksilver
1: and Hurley and
0: DC and... <laughs> definitely some surfing, maybe some Macbeth shoes.
1: Yeah. The other thing about this song that's kind of interesting is not being able to fit into your parents' image of you is definitely a popular theme for this genre of music and for a lot of these, a lot of these bands that were famous at this time. What I was trying to figure out was when you listen to the songs by Good Charlotte where they're talking about how much they hate their dad and don't miss their dad, we know the story about the Maddens. We know that Joel and Benji's dad abandoned them at a young age, wanted nothing to do with them. And so it's very obvious where they sort of pull that emotion from. Right. I was trying to figure out where this one came from because I didn't, I don't know a whole lot about the different guys in Simple Plan besides the random things that I've seen on YouTube and the random things that I've read, but when you actually do some digging into what influenced this song, the drummer Chuck at one point in time said that he wrote it about him and his situation, his family, because his parents didn't understand his rock star drummer lifestyle and he wanted a way to explain to them that he knows he can't be perfect in their eyes but he's doing the right thing for him.
2: According to
1: But then another point in time, at another show, the bassist David said that he actually wrote this song about himself because of a very similar situation where his parents never envisioned that this rockstar lifestyle was the right lifestyle for him. I don't think there's a consensus on where this song actually came from. I don't know if that's intentional that they don't want it to be known what the original influence think, is, but. I
0: think that makes it more relatable if the band members themselves can't really come to a conclusion as to its origins or its actual meaning or root then it just means that it's a pretty relatable piece of music like everybody has gotten in to arguments or confrontations with their parents and this just does a good job of kind of highlighting that you know not growing up according to plan and having this this notion that you're not kind of fitting into this mold that was cast for you is very relatable, even if the method with which it's delivered is a little bit on the the classic pop punk emo y whiny side of things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely still hits some emotional chords, even today, I would say.
1: Can I put you on the spot for a quick second here, Mike?
0: Sure, as long as you don't ask me my worst day ever.
1: <laughs> I still want to know if there's an answer to that.
0: I just hope it's already happened. <laughs>
1: which theme do you think is more iconic or which one has stayed with you the longest from the early 2000s listening to pop punk? Is it the songs about breakups and romantic relationships or is it songs about family relationships and parents?
0: I think it's definitely family and parents because I don't feel weird saying this, but I didn't have a lot of romantic relationships back at that point in my life. So really the only thing I did have was whether they were on a different scale or not, relating to what these bands were saying about parents and home life and family life, et cetera. Yeah, like my dad never left me to buy cigarettes. Not yet. Cigarettes. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> you might want to, <laughs> but you know there were times when we were getting in a fight about whatever. Honestly, right. something stupid. You'd be like, "Let me just throw on some Simple Plan or some good Charlotte
1: and drown him out."
0: Yeah, they get what I'm saying, which is funny because he actually was. The one that took me to see Simple Plan and Good Charlotte.
1: I can just picture you. He was the chaperone. He was the chaperone. I can just picture yeah. you in your room blasting Simple Plan and just, you don't control me, Tim.
0: Yeah, but Tim was the best man. He drove. Yeah, Tim was great. He drove across. Uh, Why do we
1: say he was great as if he's? I mean, he was great
0: thing. back in two thousand five. No, he's yeah. currently great. But luckily, I can go to concerts on my own now. Mm. But I remember we went to see Good Charlotte at the tweeter center and for whatever reason he didn't get tickets with us so him and my aunt stood in the pit because that was the only place he could get <laughs> tickets
1: because he's he's too badass for you
0: yeah and then we went to see check out this lineup it was reliant k simple plan and good charlotte and simple Plan and good charlotte were co-headlining on the noise to the world tour back in 2005
1: oh yeah and
0: tour. festival pier pens landing tim was in that general uh admission crowd as well it was like me tommy a couple of us from back in the day yeah a couple a couple of the girls that we went to grade school with too but yeah at one point i know tom was on some random guy's shoulders and my dad had to go over and be like yo this kid is like 14 (laughs) put him down (laughs) which at the time i was like
1: dad yeah
0: but it's like of course that stranger shouldn't
1: (laughs) yeah what Are you talking about Tom Mackle, our our rock star friend? Yeah, Tom James. Tom James, check him out. Tom Mackle. Yeah, and then there
0: were some girls with us too and another couple chaperones because back in the day, you couldn't drive anywhere. So your parents either dropped you off and picked you up, which was miserable, stood there, which was miserable. There wasn't really like a good option for going to concerts with your kids. So shout out to our parents for at least driving us at most just sitting through all that with us and acting like this is pretty good.
1: (laughs) Well, a fun visual that I have in my head is you sitting in the crowd, yelling about how much you hate your dad with your dad sitting next to you. (laughs) And then your dad yelling about how much he hates his dad.
0: Yeah. For those parts, I just went, uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what they're talking about. Dad.
0: When I sang, Hey dad, look at me. I was just staring at him.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, this song Perfect, I think, elicits a lot of those old memories about those concerts and those things that we were feeling back then.
0: And from what we were saying, with this being the original final track on the album, I think it is a perfect, slower, final track.
1: So that wraps it up, Mike. I think, all in all, definitely one of my favorite albums from back in the day. I think I can confidently say that I didn't know... The majority of these songs, as much as I knew the songs from Episode One, Animal of the State, Link 182's breakout album. But I will say that there were a lot of very popular hits on this. And I think some of the quote unquote deep tracks were really good and really emotional and very meaningful. Some major takeaways. What's the significance of this album? So, similar to Animal of the State, this was a major commercial success for a very young upcoming band. I think. With this album, Simple Plan solidified themselves as a pop-punk power back when pop-punk was hitting its stride. Mm-hmm. So major, major breakout captured the attention of millions of kids our age at the time. I think it also tapped into a very sort of angsty preteen teen teen market that maybe a Blink-182 didn't necessarily tap into. I think Simple Plan and Good Charlotte had their own sort of corner of the pop punk scene, whereas Blink-182 may have catered to a different type of audience. It did feel like a precursor to the more contemporary emo sounds of, say, a Fall Out Boy or My Chemical Romance.
0: The way I kind of think of it is, if you go to a college party, you probably wouldn't feel weird putting on Blink. You may feel weird putting on Simple Plan. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. They definitely
0: seem like a more middle school kind of band. And that was definitely a concerted effort on their part. Like looking back now, whatever, throw it on. But back when we were actually in college, I might feel weird putting on I do anything as opposed to all the small things.
1: Right. I think if you listen to Simple Plan, there was more of a tendency to be viewed as, again, quote unquote, emo. It's not
0: completely fair for us to keep comparing them to Blink because... Blink's kind of at the top of the mountain looking down on everybody, you know? For Simple Plan to even be in the same conversation, I think that actually shows how much this album really has had an impact on the scene and, you know, people that were our age at the time that actually grew up to create music. I'm sure a lot of them would look at this album the way Simple Plan and Good Star looked at Blink, you know?
1: So the final piece, Mike, is one thing that I did not think about back then because I was probably too young to even realize it. But one thing that came up again and again and again, when I was listening to this album, something that I couldn't get out of my head was why are these guys in their mid twenties singing about issues that affect essentially middle schoolers? And in Mm -hmm. some cases as old as high schoolers, does that feel authentic and empathetic to you? Is that what they're going for? Or does it come across as kind of contrived?
0: I probably never would have thought of this prior to listening to this album track by track a couple times over and over. If I went through it on a song-by-song song basis, I would say probably authentic. I think the fact that we examined, we examined all the songs so closely, on each one, I found some authenticity, some high points on each. But looking at it as a whole, I do think it could be conceived as a little bit contrived is your only intent just to be marketing this towards middle school kids, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it worked. That's the age point we were, and we thought they were great songs. But it is kind of hard to say, all right, here's my fifth song of wanting to run away from home when you're (laughs) 23, touring the world.
1: Right. The only thing I could think of really is – When these guys were in middle school, they weren't in a band and they didn't have a platform to really discuss these concepts or these topics. And I think maybe they were tapping into that because they were remembering those emotions and they were remembering those days being stuck at home. And now they suddenly have a microphone and a platform where they can actually discuss it and comment on it. So, you know, maybe it's just a bit of that delay of now they have a chance to express those emotions. The
0: fact that this is their first album, they could have had some of these songs kind of in the can for a while. Like these could have been songs that they actually wrote and performed in high school. We're not positive about that, but it could have been a song that they wrote when they were 16 that just kind of, they were working on their first album and thought, Hey, why don't I use this song that I wrote a couple years ago?
1: And I think a lot of it does have to do with perspective and timing. I think when we listened to it, we were going through these types of things. So it seemed very authentic to middle school us. And if a middle schooler listened to it now, it might seem very authentic. Whereas if somebody just picked up this album and they were 30 years old and listened to it today, it would probably sound very contrived. It doesn't to us because we lived it and it's a memory for us. Now it's, we look back on these albums very fondly.
0: Right. That we just have albums that we relate to better. It's not that you stop liking this music. It's just that at a certain point, the themes aren't as relatable and it's like, I'm not going to throw this up as my Facebook status or as a tweet or Instagram caption, you know?
1: Although I think that's a great idea. It would turn Next some heads post. if we did it today. Um, but no, Next I think picture it,
0: I post for father's day. I'm going to just quote perfect <laughs> almost the entire song. Just throw that up on an Instagram post.
1: Uh, what's going to be fun is when your son one day in the very near future is posting these lyrics onto his Facebook oh, status. Man. No, he's really going to stick my, it
0: to you. He's using my greatest weapon against me. Yes, he
1: is. Well, that's kind Kind of a different
0: perspective listening to this for the first time as a father. My son just turned one, and it's not like I've been listening to this album a lot over the past year. haven't been doing a lot of uh, anything over the past year. (laughs) It is kind of funny seeing things from the other side now when it's like, parents, for the most part, aren't that bad all the time. They're (laughs) just trying to help you out a little bit. Yeah. So luckily he can't talk yet. But when he does... I don't know, should I play this album for him?
1: I would be supportive of that decision, yes.
0: Like when he was like, okay, son, you're entering the sixth grade, here's all you need to know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, it would be educational. Sure. That was a fun one, Mike. I'm I'm excited we finally got to discuss some simple plan there. Uh for next week, I'm very excited for this one. One of my favorite bands of all time, Newfound Glory. We will be discussing their album, Sticks and Stones. Now is Newfound Glory
0: your favorite band of all time, or are they top three?
1: I don't know. They're definitely top three. As far as pop punk goes, I don't think they're my favorite. Blink 182 is still probably takes that top spot, but okay. especially more recently, Newfound Glory has has become one of my favorites. Nice.
0: And this is one of my favorite NFG albums from years past as well. In the days and weeks ahead, if you want to check us out online, you can email us at gmail.com, poppunkproj, P-R-O-J. Any questions, comments, concerns, hit us up. We'll get in touch with you. We're on Instagram and Twitter as well, at poppunkproject. And Patreon as well, patreon.com slash project. We're going to be putting some fun content up there as the days and weeks go by. So, um, looking forward to next week, Keenan. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but this album is going to be a fun one.
1: <laughs> uh, we thank you so much for listening. We hope you had the time of your lives.
0: And good riddance. Mm-hmm.